This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, it's Addictive Eaters Anonymous On Air. Welcome to Addictive Eaters Anonymous on Air, here on Plains FM. My name's Louise and I'm an addictive eater and the host of this show. This is an opportunity to share with you about how Addictive Eaters Anonymous works and to talk with an addictive eater who will share their experience of recovery from addictive eating. Well, how does AEA work? Sobriety in AEA is freedom from addictive eating and or mind-altering substances. AEA members achieve sobriety by sharing their experience, strength and hope with each other and living the 12-step program of recovery as a way of life by regular attendance at meetings, getting a sponsor, working the steps, keeping in contact with sober members and carrying the message of recovery. Members are freed from addictive eating and the obsession with food. At the heart of the AEA program is the spiritual concept of surrender. Well, I'm with Tina today, and Tina is a member of Addictive Eaters Anonymous. I suppose I love hearing about your childhood in Hong Kong, and often your stories illustrate how different you were from other children. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that, Tina. Well, I could go back to my school days, I suppose. I don't know. I always seem to be a misfit. I was a boarder for a number of years. Um, My mother had to work, and so she knew the headmistress of the girls' school that she used to attend, In fact, they were in the same class together. But anyway, um, so she was able to um, board me as a weekly boarder um, because she knew Mrs. Simons and so she didn't have to pay the full boarding fee, which really helped her. I suppose in, in some respects I did enjoy being a boarder, but Also, I felt, in some respects, very left out. Left out because I was different from the other kids. I was a dirty kid. And I always believed I was naturally dirty because my mother was so clean. Um, But at boarding school, we had set times to go and have a bath or shower. And I can remember locking myself in the bathroom when it was my turn and locking myself in uh, where if I had to have a bath that day, making noises as though the taps were running. (laughs) 
I mean, what other kid does that? You know, you just run the water. But that's what I did. I'd sit on the side of the bath and make this sort of shushing noise to emulate water. And so, of course, I stank. And, um, but to, I, I don't know why I did it. It was just something I did. I mean, showers were a bit different. Of course, I had to have a shower. But I can remember never washing my face. I'd give my teeth a bit of a brush, because I had to. I'd get under the shower, because I had to. But washing my face never occurred to me. And I can remember one night, I don't know, I'd been crying over something or the other. And some of the boarders were in the bathroom with me. And I ran the water into the sink to wash my face. And one of the girls, I heard her say, Look at that water, it's black! <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> And there was only one other girl in that big dormitory um, that was a misfit like me. And I still remember her name to this day, and I can still remember what she looked like. So she and I sort of got on well together. And I remember this particular time um, they were, the boarders were planning a midnight feast. We had a, a, a sort of a common room next door to the um, dormitory. And one of the um, more senior girls approached me and told me that they were having a midnight feast, but I wasn't to be a part of it. Uh, they didn't want me there. Oh. And I just took it. As I, I can't remember reacting to it at all. I don't think it was a surprise, actually. So Poppy and I were left on our own to um, have a midnight feast together. And that's what we did. But unfortunately, the idiots were making so much noise in that common room, that matron who, who lived down below on the fourth floor, of course, woke up to all this noise and everybody was ordered back to bed. So that was the end of the midnight feast. I think I had a bit of a giggle about that. <laughs> As in, serves them right. <laughs> but, you know, um, and I can remember other instances. I remember Poppy and I, we went round to the kindergarten, where the kindergarten was, and the pupils at kindergarten always got uh, a half pint of milk during the break. I mean, you had to order it for your children if you wanted them to have it. And of course, it was the heat of summer. And there were all these milk bottles out in the open air. And there was a bit of milk left in one. Well, I had it, didn't I? I couldn't leave it alone. Oh. I, but I loved fresh milk. Mm. And of course, a few minutes later, oh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And Poppy said, you have to tell Matron. How could I tell her that I had, you know, drunk out of this milk bottle, this milk that was left with all the flies 
I fall over the death, damn thing. But she said, you have to, you know, you have to tell Matron. But I couldn't tell her. And she said, well, what if she gives you the wrong medicine? Oh, golly. So, of course, I told Matron. Well, Matron didn't keep quiet about it, did she? And, of course, all the other pupils were laughing at me. I mean, who else would do something like that? It would never occur to me to do something like that. Oh, jeepers today. So, so what is it, Tina? What is, what is that strange thinking and those odd actions? What is that about? Addiction? I believe I was born with this disease of addiction. I believe that. Because right from the first, I always wanted more. I stole, I lied. I mean, what young child does that? That's what I remember from my childhood. That's not normal for children to do things like that. You know, I was forever stealing food and stealing other things. It wasn't just food. I just stole anything that took my eye. That, that was part of that wanting more, that stealing, you think? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea. But, you know, I, I can only imagine. You know, sometimes I think I must have been such an embarrassment for my mother because I was never clever about it. And I always eventually got found out. You know, poor mother. Mm. I... I I don't know how she dealt with it. I can remember one one time when I was a teenager. Um, I don't know how old I was, maybe about 16 or 15, something like that. And I remember her saying, you know, oh, you weren't that bad. Really? <laughs> maybe there was a lot she didn't find out about. Mm, I don't know. Mm. So in your experience, that, that stealing and that lying was, was just almost a natural part of, of who yeah. you were. Yes. The fear would hit and out would come a lie. Mm. Mm. But even when the truth would have served me better, mm. out would come a lie. Mm. <laughs> that's, the way it, that's the way I was. Mm. You couldn't trust me. Mm. And yet I didn't want to be like that. Yeah, I remember thinking to myself at various times at, at school, from this moment on, I am not going to lie. And I really, really wanted to be that person. But I couldn't do it. Not five minutes later, I'd be lying again. I sat, sat next to a lovely, lovely girl in class. May Young, I, I still remember her and what she looks like. And she was one of those kids that was just naturally nice. You know, naturally good. And I can remember her taking a real interest in me and periodically she would take me aside and we would sit down together and she would talk about being good. Yes, May, yes, May feeling inspired by what she was saying to be good you know to be nice couldn't do it there was always something about me my mother pinpointed it you know to me and she would say to me I don't know what it is about you Tina but you don't seem sincere of course mm -hmm. not I was always somebody else because I so wanted to fit in 
Yes, that's that's interesting. You talk about you would become somebody's twin. Mm. Yes, who 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 they expected you to be, you would sort of become that. Well, I always became the person I was with. Mm. Well, I don't know that I always, right. but that's what I recall. Right. Because I so wanted to be a part of, and I was never a part of, and I couldn't, and so that's what I did, and it became so natural that that's what I did. <laughs> Just became everybody picked up their mannerisms so what you thought became what I thought and even though I thought differently inside I never expressed it so you had sort of two lives going on there really the the hidden Tina and the sort Mm. of social face of Tina yes Mm. very much so Mm. and so did this all just combine into sort of a terrible incident that led you into looking to a 12-step fellowship or or was it just an accumulation of misery over the years or you know what what happened that actually drove you in looking for a solution I'd always loved eating I loved food even food I didn't like I still ate it Um, but what brought me to the fellowship was the last six months of my eating when I was all dieted out because that's what I thought was wrong with me that I had a weight problem so diet after diet after diet always, always thinking that this time it would work and of course it didn't and the last six months of my eating I couldn't diet anymore so all I could do was eat And I remember, you know, I had to keep myself topped up to a certain level because if I fell below that level, I experienced the shakes, the sweat, the nausea, and it was an awful way to be. And, of course, I was working. I had to go to work to buy, you know, to have the money to buy the food. So I couldn't eat the way I wanted to or needed to. It was becoming more of a needed to rather than a wanting to. That by the time I got home with all the food that I had bought, I would literally cram. It wasn't eating, it was more like a feeding. I would literally cram the food into my mouth and I would keep eating and eating and eating until I leveled out again, until the shaking stopped and the nausea went and that's how I lived for that the next six months I couldn't read I'd always been a bookworm but I couldn't read I remember the last paragraph I read it was only four or five lines I got to the end of it and I didn't know what I had read so I went back again I did it about four or five times I still couldn't understand what I had read that was the end of reading it was the same with television. It was just a blur of noise and sound. Oh, what am I talking about? Noise and colour. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. So I didn't even get to get any enjoyment from that. I can't remember tasting much during that time either. I just ate. And I got to a stage where one day I was getting dressed, I think, And I said to God, 
In fact, I demanded of him that he find me an answer. I didn't care what he did. Just find me an answer. Either let me die or find me an answer. I don't care what you do. And I believe that God heard. It wasn't too long later, I don't know the time frame, that I went to a workmate's 50th birthday. And I saw this lady that I knew from one of the diet clubs. And she asked me how I was. And for the first time I verbalized it. I said, Kate, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't seem to stop eating. And that, those words just came from nowhere. They just came out. And she said, maybe you need more specialized help. And she mentioned this 12-step fellowship. So for the first time I heard about it. And I heard about the fact that she had a friend who'd been going for many years. And if I gave her my phone number, she would ring me and come and have a talk with me. And I felt this most wonderful relief that something was going to happen. Well, nothing did because she didn't ring me. And I was furious. I was resentful. And I remember thinking to myself, she doesn't care. Nobody cares. Well, I'm not ringing her. <laughs> and so I carried on eating for two months more. I remember that. And at the end of two months, I'd had enough. Mm. So I made the effort to find her. Mm. And I called her. And she gave my number to her friend who called me and took me to my first meeting after she came and saw me and had a talk with me. What a relief, because it sounded like hell at the end there. It was. Mm. It was. And so were you then immediately relieved of the compulsion and the obsession to eat? No. What happened? No, not at all. Um, Well, after my first meeting, I said to this lady, what do I do now? And she said, just go to the meetings. And that's exactly what I did. I went to every single meeting that there was. Because I still didn't know what was wrong with me. But I just went to the meetings. And gradually over time, and I don't know how much time, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, no wonder diets didn't work. Because I don't have a weight problem. What I have is a disease called addiction. Oh, it was euphoric. It was such a relief. And I went around telling everybody, total strangers, anybody, you know, this is what I found. Oh, my goodness. Louise? Yes. I'm sorry, what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, I was trying to find out, did it happen quite quickly that that obsession and compulsion was That's right. I beg your pardon, Louise. That's all good. Um... No, I had been on a food plan for nine days. And one morning, and this particular morning, after nine days, I was talking to God. I was saying thank you. And it suddenly hit me. Oh my goodness, I'd been on this food plan for nine days and I had not struggled. And all the other diets that I'd been on, I had struggled. But I hadn't struggled with this food plan. And that was amazing. Doesn't mean to say that the obsession and the craving weren't still there. I can remember one particular incident where I was standing in Merivale Mall, and at that time they had a French bakery. And I was just standing there, 
looking at it. I was just standing there looking and looking. And eventually I had to say to myself, because God was out the window at that stage, wasn't thinking about him at all, I thought to myself, I'll have it tomorrow. Well, of course, by the time tomorrow comes, you've forgotten all about it, which I had. But I did have quite um, an occasion in the supermarket. I was walking around getting my shopping and I went past where all the chocolates were. And the voice started. Go on. You know you want to. You know you want to. You know, everybody has had a slope because I kept hearing about people having slopes. Everybody's had a slope. Why can't you? Now's the time to do it before you get too far into this program. Now's the time to have it. And I'm hanging. I've got a death grip on the trolley because I knew if I let go, I would. And the voice kept going on and on and on. And by the time I got to the checkout, <laughs> I was bent over. Wow. But I got out of that supermarket wow. and I rushed home and I rang my sponsor and I told her all about this because it was real. I could feel the pain inside of me really, really wanting it. And she said to me, well, that tells me that the real Tina does not want to eat. So, you know, it, it came and it went. I had days of freedom. I had little pockets of really <laughs> hanging on and praying to God, please help me. And so now freedom is your state of being all the time from food? I have been very fortunate because it's not as though I came into the fellowship and the food went down and stayed down. It didn't. I ate. Um, but it was because of my dishonesty with food. I absolutely believe that, that God was not able to stop me eating. It was only gradually over time when I started to talk to my sponsor about what I was actually doing with the food. Then that surrender um, took place. Mm. That real surrender mm. took place. Mm. Mm. Pivotal key, uh, clearly. And what happened to the to the Tina who couldn't be honest in social situations and who lied and stole and... And pretended? Yes. I remember talking to my sponsor about that and I said to her one day, I said, I have become every single member of the group. I had. <laughs> you know, I picked up mannerisms, their way of talking, they were... <laughs> it was hilarious. All she said to me was, don't worry about it, just keep doing what you're doing. Well, I didn't really know what that meant, so I just kept doing what I was doing. And one day I, I was taking Kay to a meeting, and Kay was talking away. And for one minute, or for one instant, I became Kay. And I absolutely, Louise, I absolutely recognised it. <laughs> and I remember thinking all of a sudden, oh my God, I couldn't remember 
the last time I had been somebody else. And Kay's still talking. And I thought, oh my God. So what's there must be Tina. My gosh, it was creepy. It was really creepy. Really? And Kay's still talking. (laughs) I don't know what it was she was talking about because all I could think about was, oh my God, it's me. (laughs) Is Is that the hole in the donut or is that something else entirely? I have no idea. For me, the ho- I know it talks about the hole in the donut on in step three, but for me, the hole in the donut was step six, because all I could all I could see was that if God removed my de- all my defects of character, what would be left? I mean, I likened it to a whole pie being sliced. And you take the slice away, there's a blank in there. That's what it was like for me. That's what I thought. What would be left if he took away my character defects? I'd be hollow, black, nothing. So for me, the hole in the donut was that pie. Isn't it interesting it how is. one, th- I think, in terms of food. You do. <laughs> Lots of food analogies. <laughs> That's all good. Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's lovely, Tina. Um, so so, who is Tina now? Is oh my God! Ultimate question. The utter, I don't know how to answer that. I I really don't know, Louise. The the only thought in my head when you said that was. Get out there, go help somebody else. Yes. That, that for me is really hard to answer. Yes. I know that I am different. You know, I, I, I'm no longer the liar, the thief that I once was. I know that I am not everybody that I meet. I know that I have my own opinions. I know that I'm I can be quite nutty at times, but then, as Leone said to me a long, long time ago, many years ago, you'll fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm just one of. I don't mm. feel different anymore from mm. others. Mm. Whether they're another addict or whether they're a normal person, I don't feel different. So you've worked the steps for years. Is it the working of the steps or is it God doing the work? Is it the combination? I would think it's all. I don't look at the steps and think, I'll do this step today or or I'll do that step tomorrow or whatever it is. For me... In a nutshell, it's, I believe that God wants me to be a decent human being. That's it. I used to hear very much when I first came in, trust God, clean house, help others. Well, all that boils down to, as I said, for me, to be a decent human being. 
and that keeps it simple for me but you know I cannot have one without the other so I'm very very grateful that I have made that conscious contact with God I mean God's silent but I know he's there and if anything eventuates or I'm not sure what I'm trying to say now I think, I think I've gotten a bit lost <laughs> too many words Louise mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. I'll just leave it that God wants me to be a decent human being. Absolutely. That's beautiful and that's simple and that's really reflective of the program is that it is really just a simple program, isn't it? For, for yeah, complicated well. people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is simple, but I, it's not easy. No, it's not. Yeah. It has been absolutely delightful. Thank you so much, Tina. You're welcome. If you have heard anything today which you've related to or would like to know more about us, please go to our website www.aeanz.org. There are three meetings a week in Christchurch, as well as a monthly worldwide meeting on Zoom. A podcast of our show will be available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as the Plains FM website plainsfm.org.nz Our show goes out on the fourth Monday of each month at midday. Thank you for listening and I trust you go well until we catch up next month on Addictive Eaters Anonymous on air Plains FM 96.9